Well, happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Thank you for joining and worshiping with us. We're so glad that you're here. I'm excited today. Uh, I pray that you're enjoying good family time with your family. That's always fun for me. You know, Father's Day is an important day of the year, mainly because I'm a father myself. I'm a father of two children. Well, actually, they're not children now. Uh, Kenton and Alyssa, uh, they're in their early 20s, and uh, I enjoy being a father to them, and uh, it's a blessing for sure. Uh, I just want to talk, before I get into my message, I have an ex- I'm excited to, to talk to you today. I have, uh, the title of my message today is, Don't You Dare Give Up. Don't You Dare Give Up. But before I get into that, I just want to, I want to talk a little bit about being a father since it's Father's Day and what that means to me and, and to give you a little bit of encouragement. You know, I was fortunate to have a good father. He loved God. He loved his wife, my mom, his children. There are three of us, my brother, Troy, and my sister, Beverly. Uh, they had 10 here, and we had a great growing up, uh, grew up in a loving home. He loved God. He loved his wife and he loved his children. You know, but I also recognize that not everyone has had that experience. I realize that, you know, the best model for being a father is the heavenly father. I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. It says this, and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. My sons and daughters. It's personal. And he also said in Psalm 103, verse 13, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear them. Those are important words, tender and compassionate. That's the model that we are to have as earthly fathers from our heavenly father. So I want to I encourage those of you that are fathers out there you know, there are some of you that are, that are awesome, awesome dads, and you, you go to all the games, and you, you celebrate their birthdays, and you have a great, great time with them, and teaching them in the ways of the Lord as they're growing up from little kids to adults. We applaud you. Thank you for doing that. God sees everything that you do. That's what they need. That's something that will, they will take with them for the rest of their lives. But I also want to talk to those that maybe, be, maybe are single dads, maybe through some unfortunate circumstances or, or maybe some bad choices that you've made, your children don't live with you. And I know there are many of you that may be worshiping with us today that are in that situation, or maybe you know someone that's in that situation. Well, you know what? You can still be a good father to them. I'm speaking right to you. You can still be a good dad. You know, it starts, one, we're treating them with respect as a child of the king, as a child of God, treating them with respect. Number two, loving them unconditionally. That's the way God loves us. His love for us is unconditional. You show that love to your children, even if they're not with you all the time. Maybe you share custody with them. You can still do that. And loving God with your whole heart, letting them see that modeled. Let your children see you do that. That's how you can be a good father to them. 
You know, if you have a history of bad father figures in your family, let me speak to that a minute. Maybe in your bloodline, your father or your father's father or your father's father's father, you don't have a good model for that. You didn't see that growing up. Well, let me share something with you. You can break that curse. It can start with you. You can do it. How about this? I was, I was thinking about this, and, and I want to get a little bit vulnerable here. Um, those fathers who share custody with their mothers. I, I've seen some situations over the years, and that can be messy. That can get nasty sometimes. Those unfortunate situations, you know, the statistics in the United States here say that, you know, 50% of marriages end in divorce. And many times when there's children involved in that, the children are the ones who suffer the most. There's custody battles and, the, and, and it, it, it can get nasty. But let me encourage you today. Fathers, make sure, here's a challenge, that your children see you show grace to their mothers. I might be stepping on some toes right now. I understand that. And you might be saying, well, Pastor Ken, you don't know what I go through. You don't, you don't understand what I do every time I go to pick them up or I'm on the phone. And, you know, I know this is, might be a touchy subject. But what we're talking about is modeling a dad and a father the way God would want to see you do that. Okay? Things are said. Things are done. I've seen it. Things can get nasty. But I'm speaking to dads right now. Do your best to model grace and respect. I know that may be a tall order. But for children... It's not just what's taught, it's what's caught and what they see and what they hear. Ephesians 6 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And then in Proverbs 22, 6, it says this, Direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. So if you know of a father out there, maybe even a, a young one, a young dad, that may need to hear this message, they may need to be encouraged, I, I encourage you to share this message with them or maybe even call them and speak a word to them. You know, sometimes all they need is for you to just walk alongside them, send them a text, say, hey, I'm praying for you. I know you're out there. Right now I'm just talking about those single dads. You know, there's a lot of times the church doesn't talk about this. So I'm talking about it right now. God loves you. God sees you. And despite the circumstances of how you ended up where you are, we're going to talk today about not giving up. So don't let your past affect what you can do now and what you can do in the future. God loves you. God sees you. Let's pray before we move on to the message today. Father God, we celebrate fathers and dads today. God, I thank you for modeling that for us through your word, through your son, Jesus. God, I pray for every single father that you would invade their lives. God, that they would model what it is to love, that they would model what it is to show grace. God, that they would love unconditionally. And God, even if there are generational curses out there for bad models for fathers, God, that it would be broken, it would be broken, In Jesus' name.
that it would start with them. I thank you, God. Right now, meet them where they are, where we know that you won't leave them where they are. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, we celebrate them today. We celebrate dads. We celebrate fathers. Bless them. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, dads, this is for you, but also for you moms out there. It's it's not just for dads, so don't tune out, moms. Don't do that. All right. Usually around this time, I'd be watching the NBA Finals. It's June. We'd be watching the NBA Finals. That's part of the year that I look forward to. I'm a basketball fan. I like football, too, and... and, uh, My kids love sports, but there's no sports on right now because of what's going on and the virus. So we're doing a lot of ESPN. We're watching a lot of reruns and old games. And it's been fun, but I miss the live games. Oh, it's killing me. So to help that out today, we're going to talk a little sports, if that's all right. So before I get into that, I have a question for you. If I were to ask your friends to describe you, what would they say? Think about that. If I were to ask your relative or your spouse or your brother or sister to describe you, what would they say? Hmm. How about this? If I were to ask you to look in the mirror at yourself, and to describe yourself to yourself, what would you say? Last question. If I were to ask God who you were, what would he say? Would they all line up? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, this is what it says. For he who made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I'm going to read that again. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Do you see yourself as God sees you? Do you see yourself as a winner? or a loser, or better yet, trying to be a winner. Do you know who you are? We're going to talk sports a little bit. We're going to put this first picture up. have a picture for you. Can you put that on the screen there? How many know, if you're watching online, who that is? I'm sure some of you know who that is right away. Some of you are asking who that is. Some of you are asking your kids who that is. (laughs) Let me tell you. That's LeBron James. He's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Some would say it's Michael Jordan. I believe it's Michael Jordan. My daughter would say she's the best player of all time. (laughs) My son would probably say that (laughs) for him. Uh, Let me give you a little stats. LeBron James has been to the NBA Finals eight years in a row. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Let me recap the 2016 finals for you. 
few years ago. Okay, the way it works is there are finals. The championship are seven games, just like baseball. So the first team to four games wins the championship. All right? So he plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers. At that time, he did. And they're coming in as the underdogs because Golden State Warriors, who they're playing, they're out of San Francisco. They just had an iconic year. They had just broken the record for the most games won in a season. They won 73 games out of an 82-game season, which means they only lost nine games the entire season. No team has ever done that except the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan, and they had 72. So they beat Michael Jordan's record. So they were having a historic year, and they're about to go to the championship and cap it off with rings, championship rings. So I set the stage for you. So we're at the, we're at the, we're at the uh, championship game. Golden State was, of course, predicted to win. They win the first two games. They're at home. They're playing on their court. They win the first two games. They go back to Cleveland. Cleveland wins one game. So it's two games to one. And then Golden State, Golden State wins another game. So it's three games to one. All Golden State Warriors have to do is win one more game, and it's over. It's over. Well, let me, let me, let me paint this picture for you. LeBron James is from Ohio. He's from Ohio. All right. Normally, uh, basketball stars don't play for their home for their home team. They go off somewhere. Michael Jordan wasn't from Chicago. Uh, Magic Johnson played for L.A., but he wasn't from L.A. You know, they're all champions. Usually that doesn't happen. But LeBron James was playing for his hometown. Number one. Number two, Cleveland Cavaliers had never won a championship before. So this was history in the making that he was trying to do. All right. So. The other, the other interesting thing is both of those teams played the year before, Cavaliers and Golden State. So this is a repeat of the same two teams. In order for Cleveland to win, they'd have to win three games in a row, come back from three to one. No team has ever done that in the history of the NBA. So all odds were against them. But let me tell you what he did. He didn't give up. He went back home and he looked at the first three games, actually the first four games. He studied them and I bet he looked himself in the mirror, just like I asked you to do earlier and said he had a talk with himself. Who am I? What have I done? He looked at what he's done, what he's achieved, everything he's he's gone through, the things that he's overcome. And he says, I can do this. I can do this. All odds against him. Well, guess what happened? He didn't let his circumstances affect his attitude. He knew who he was. He was LeBron. He was in his abilities. He went back. They won three games in a row. They made history. Never been done. Why did that happen? Again, he didn't let his circumstances of the past affect his thoughts, his attitude. He wasn't haughty. He was confident. He didn't give up. That reminds me of a scripture, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. It says this, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. See, that's what he did. 
He looked at the past. He learned from it and then went on. And this scripture goes on to say, and I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. I'm going to put up another picture. Let's put that second picture up. Ah, yes. Royalty. Some of you know who that is. Some of you don't. Come on, fathers who are watching this, dads, single guys. That's Tom Brady. Tom Brady. He was the quarterback of the New England Patriots. He was. I know some of you are still hurting over that. He went down to Florida. Yeah, he he left his team. But I would say now he'd be considered the greatest quarterback of all time. How can you say that? Well, this is how I can say it. He won nine. He went to nine Super Bowls. He went to nine of them, nine Super Bowls and won six of them. That's ridiculous. How is that even possible? Well, he did it. No quarterback has ever done that. He had some adversity, though. In 2015, there was a scandal. He was charged with deflate gate, deflating footballs. They, they charged him with that. So he was suspended for four games in a season. There's only 16 games. So a quarter of the season, he couldn't play. But a year later, in 2017, they went back to the Super Bowl. Crazy. Not playing part of the season. And he comes back and gets, to, gets his team to the Super Bowl. That's unbelievable. So they're playing the Atlanta Falcons. Let me paint the picture for you. Atlanta Falcons never won a Super Bowl. I watched football, but the football games are just too long for me. So it's hard for me to, to watch a whole game. Man, sometimes they're three, three and a half hours. That's just too long. So whoever's watching, if you're watching, you have any kind of, kind of control over that, fix that. It's too long. But anyway, uh, he gets to the Super Bowl. They're playing the Atlanta Falcons. Folks that are not even football people want Atlanta to win. I wanted Atlanta to win. And I like Tom Brady. But people love to vote and to root for underdogs. So everybody was, was, was going for Atlanta. Well, we get to the Super Bowl. Most of the game, Atlanta is winning. They're blowing them out. They're killing them. And Tom Brady is having a horrible game. He's throwing interceptions. And for those that don't know anything about football, that means you threw the ball and the other team caught it instead of your team. That would be bad. That's bad. He was getting sacked. And what that means, if you're not a football person, is the other team was tackling you as you're trying to throw the ball. That's bad. So he was, he, all those things were happening. So it, it would be like it's the first, first game of the season for him. And it's happening at the biggest stage, at the biggest game of the year. Well, it's the fourth quarter. They're getting killed. Tom Brady's on the sideline. And he's having to talk with himself. I can imagine. I can imagine he's probably looking himself in the mirror going, what am I going to do? He didn't give up. He's thinking, I'm Tom Brady. I know who I am. I asked you earlier, do you know who you are? He knew who he was. He didn't give up. He said, I can do this. It's the fourth quarter. So let me paint a picture for you. In the third quarter, it was 28 to 3. 28 to 3. It's over. 28 to 3. That's an impossible scenario. I remember going into the kitchen, getting some more snacks. 
I was wondering whether to get snacks or whether to go to bed. And I, and then, but I thought to myself, it's Tom Brady. <laughs> I'm not going to bed. <laughs> because he, he's the greatest quarterback ever. Something's going to happen. I, I was just thinking, let me paint the picture. Let me tell you what happens. Well, Tom Brady goes on to throw 100 yards in the fourth quarter. That's ridiculous. He goes crazy. He goes crazy. So there had never been a tie in a Super Bowl. In the history of the Super Bowl, there's never been a tie. Somehow they managed to get 25 more points and tie Atlanta. Crazy. History in the making. So it's the end of the game. They go into overtime. History in the making. Never been an overtime game. You know what happens. You don't, you don't fight back that hard and not win. So they made history. They win the game. He didn't give up. He didn't give up. He knew who he was. He walked in that confidence. He got up off of that bench, and he did what he needed to do. Confidence. Let's flip the script. Let's talk about David. David in the Bible, little shepherd boy. With God's instruction, Samuel anointed David as king when he was just a boy. I bet his brothers watched as Samuel did that. Probably blew it off. Let me, let me paint a picture. <laughs> let me paint a picture. I think about this. So Jesse had eight sons, right? So Samuel comes knocking on the door, you know, I don't know if they had doors back then, but <laughs> let's just pretend they did. So Samuel comes in. Jesse's like, hey, what's up? Samuel's like, well, I'm here. I need to see all your boys. I'm here to anoint one of your boys. Jesse's like, oh, yes. So he calls him. Hey, boys, come on down here. And Jesse's thinking, this, today's going to be a good day. They line all the boys up. So I could see, I could just see the picture right now. Samuel going down the line, looking at him. Hmm. Nope. You know, I'm sure they were, man, muscular and looking good. Fine. Nope. Sam is, nope. Going down the line, Jesse's like, ah, no problem. I got four more. Nope. Nope. Jesse's like, ooh, what's going on? They get to all the sons. Samuel's like, well, is there another? Is there another one? They're like, yeah, yeah, there's a, the, the youngest one. He's, he's out keeping the sheep. I don't know where he is. He's out in the field somewhere. Samuel's like, go get him. Go get him. Call him in. Samuel's like, that's the one. I could imagine the boys probably just blew it off. They're probably like, ah, pfft. Whatever. Come on, let's go back and play some Xbox. Or <laughs> go outside and play some hoops. <laughs> if, t- if it was today, that's probably what would happen. They would just, they probably didn't even, at that, they weren't even paying attention at that point. They just they probably didn't even think about it. David gets anointed. The scripture here in 1 Samuel 16 says this. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. 
The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Wow. The Lord looks at the heart. You know, I think about that scripture often. I don't know about you, but uh, oftentimes I think about that. I'm like, man, the Lord knows the heart. He knows what you're thinking. (laughs) He knows your intentions. Do you ever think about that? I mean, in some situations that you're in, he knows your intentions, the intentions of the heart. Now, I was going through a situation uh, many years ago, and uh, it wasn't fun. And my wife and I had to pray about it. I felt like I was being wronged. And uh, I, had to, I had to fight and pray through that, you know, in the heart. And I remember saying to my wife, I said, you know what, Andrea? God knows the intentions of the heart. And that's what helped me get through that. Um, but that also means that <laughs> you can't psych God out either. You can't fake it. You know, you can't, you can't fool God. You can't trick God. He knows your heart. So you know the story of David. He fights the giant. He kills him as a little boy. Let me read, let me read a little bit of the story here. First Samuel 17 David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Wow. He was bold. Very bold. He was confident. Sometimes that's the way we need to be. Bold, confident. God has given you everything that you need. God has given you what you need to accomplish what you need to accomplish. If he promised it to you, then he'll give you everything you need to accomplish it. Be bold. Goes on to say, And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Now, I thought that was interesting because what he was doing is he was predicting what he was going to do. So what he was doing was telling the giant, this is what I'm going to do. And God's going to get the glory. Very important. This is what I'm going to do with God's help. And God's going to get the glory for it. Very key. So ahead of time, he was already saying that he was going to give God the glory for what he was about to do. Very significant. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. <laughs> I don't know about you, but there have been situations where I wanted to fight my own battles. I didn't want to yield. I didn't want to wait on God. I just wanted it to be handled. Have you been in that situation? Just, you just wanted it handled. You just wanted to take care of it yourself. But God handles things so much better than we do. And when God handles it, it's clean and complete. So if you're watching this, I'm just encouraging you. If you're thinking about doing something right now, because you're frustrated, 
You need it handled. You want it handled. Pray to God, trust God, ask God to handle it. He will fight your battles. He says he will fight your battles. So let God fight your battles. David knew who he was. You don't speak like that unless you have confidence. He was speaking from experience. He knew that God could do that because he had already experienced God's power and might. God had probably delivered you from some impossible situations. You know, we're in this COVID situation right now, the virus. It's kind of crazy. Maybe some of you watching got the virus. Maybe you, you ended up getting it. But if you're watching now, that means that it didn't take you out. Maybe some of you know someone who had it or got it or almost got it. There was a lot of fear out there. But we, as Christians, we don't live in fear. We don't live in fear because we have God on our side. There may be some here that are are waiting to return to work. Maybe you lost your job. Know that God knows that. He sees and knows. I encourage you to think of a time when God came through for you. Let that build your faith. He can and will do it again. Speak those words of faith and build yourself up. Listen, sometimes you need to surround yourself with people that will help you build your faith. We call those faith friends, F-A-I-T-H, friends. We need faith friends. But see, 1 Samuel 17.33 said this, Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's a man of war since youth. We call that doubt. You see, those types of friends are fake friends. Fake friends, F-A-K-E. What you need is faith friends, not fake friends. A fake friend is someone who will come up to you and say, well, that's not gonna happen. You're not gonna get that job. That's impossible. You can't do that. You can't do this. You don't know what you're doing. You don't need to be surrounded by those types of people. If you have those types of people around you, they're just pulling you down. You need faith friends that will stand with you, that will stand with the word of God, help you build your faith. So if that's you, you need to do some inventory. Do an inventory of your life. Look at the people who are around you. You might need to do some cutting. And sometimes that's okay to prune. Because when you prune off the bad, growth happens. When you prune off the bad, growth happens. Amen. Amen. Don't give up on your dreams. Jeremiah 29, 11. Here's another scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. That's a familiar scripture. We know that. God has plans for good for you. Why? Well, you're a child of the king. You're, a, you're the head and not the tail. Your friends don't control your destiny. Your family doesn't control your destiny. God controls your destiny. Don't give up on your dreams. Back in Samuel, David persisted. 
This is what David said in response to Saul. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. Crazy. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. See, what they didn't realize is David was working out behind the scenes. He was conditioning. Anyone in sports knows when you, what you do off-season matters. You condition, you, you, you exercise, you get ready for the season. It builds you up. What you do behind closed doors is what matters. How much you pray, how much you're in the word, your alone time with God, your worship time. That's what matters. See, David already had a testimony. He knew who he was. He was David. He didn't give up. He's on the winning team. He was God's anointed. He knew who he was. You know who you are. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're the head, not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Sometimes you just need to speak those words to yourself and encourage yourself. Has God delivered you from something? I'm sure he has. There's some here that are watching that have testimonies. Sometimes you need to remind yourself of that. Not everyone knows what you've been through, but it's preparing you for what's ahead. It's conditioning. I dare you to sit up right where you are if you're watching this and you're thinking about some of the things that you're facing, some of the mountains that you're facing, some of your struggles you're thinking about. It. Maybe, it's a, maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family situation. It seems impossible. I dare you right now to sit up, lift your head, maybe stand up with God on your side. You don't go on from day to day living in fear. We walk in confidence. We don't give up. I dare you, don't give up. Don't you dare give up. You come too far and God's got too much for you to do. God delivered you once, he'll do it again. You're on the winning team. It may look like you're down for the count, but the game's not over. The game's not over. <laughs> it's not over. Get up. Woo. Getting riled up. There's nobody in here except the cameraman, but I'm still getting riled up. <laughs> Second Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. As I close, I want to leave you with this encouraging scripture. The scripture that I just read, giving us power and love and a sound mind, we either believe that or we don't. We either walk in that or we don't. Who are you? I know who I am. I'm a child of the king. I'm a winner, not a loser. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. As a matter of fact, let's turn to this scripture here, this last scripture. Deuteronomy 28. Listen to this. This is for you watching. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruits, baskets, and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. This is important. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. They will come at you 
but they will scatter. That's for you. This is what God has promised. So repeat after me. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm set free. I've got the spirit of God in me. I know who I am and I won't give up. As I was preparing for this, I was hearing God say to pray for the spirit of defeat. So I'm going to have a couple prayers, but the first one I want to do right now is as we close is to pray for a spirit of defeat. So let's pray together. Father God, right now, I just lift up all those that are worshiping with us today. God, I pray for the spirit of defeat. Those that feel like a loser or those that feel like there's no hope, that there's no way they can win, that they keep getting beat up, they keep getting beat down, or maybe they're in a ditch and they can't get out of it. God, I pray right now that you would give them hope, that you would help and lift them out of that ditch. What you've done for me, you will do for others, God. There's nothing that you can't do. What may seem impossible for man, God, is possible for you. So I pray, God, that every single person that's listening, that has that spirit of defeat on them, God, that you would encourage them in Jesus' name. God, that they would forget the past and look to the future. Forgetting those things, they learn from them, but they don't let that, God, affect their future. We thank you that even today, even right now, God, they're going to lift their heads and they're going to know that they're not going to give up and that they can make it. So I thank you right now, God, that you'll touch every single person and that this is a new day. In Jesus' name. If you're watching and you've never given your life to God, today's your day. Even right now, in your living room, or maybe you're just listening to this in your car, wherever you are, if that's you and you just want to make a change, Maybe even you, you've accepted God or you, you say, well, I, I'm saved or I, I did that a while ago, but I've kind of made some bad choices. You know, I don't know if I can get my life back on track. You can get your life back on track. It's never too late. God is always there with his arms open wide. So why don't you pray with me right now? Repeat after me. Dear God, here I am, your child. I come to you with everything that I have. And I believe that Jesus died and rose again with all power in his hands. Thank you for forgiving me that I'm not lost, but I'm found and I'm found in you. 
I am now your child and I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.